Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. They want the alliance to know they don't need them. With SI's Pat Forty. Maintaining the broad-based athletic programs that have always been there, but now are jeopardized because we just have to spend more and more and more and more. Here's Pat and Dan. I will go to the pod. Pat, let's start. Lane Kiffin, truth teller. <laughs> Joey Fresh Truth. <laughs> Coach Kiff sits down with uh with our man Ross Dellinger at Sports Illustrated with a little interview. Offers some some honesty. I like it. Some reality to the situation. We're a professional sport and they're professional players. That's the big headline. Yep. It's pretty interesting because his comments are spot on, and then it's it's really a litmus test of what you believe in how you took it. I mean, that you know, but he, Lane is very odd. He's, he's like, look, the, the pay for play is here and it isn't going away. I'm not going to sit around and not. He basically is like, that's like sitting around saying the spread offense, I'm going to oppose it. And all those people are out of work. So it's how do you work it? I said from the beginning, players should get paid. They do the work. Why that should be limited to a scholarship check, I disagree with. And they shouldn't be paid all equal. That's not what happens in the real world. Why do the best players get paid the same as the worst players? That's not real life. There's just not a system. It was, okay, open it up. No system behind it. I'm sure people saw these things coming. A lot of people didn't. Uh, these collectives, you basically made cheating. What was cheating before illegal? You take a 17-year-old who a lot of them don't come from money and family doesn't, uh, and their family doesn't come from money. If any person tells you their NIL is not the number one thing, take a hundred of them and ask the number one thing that's going to make the decision. It's not the size of the stadium, not the head coach, not the campus or conference. The number one thing will be money. And how would you blame them? This is the part I appreciate. A professional player already has money and they usually follow the money in free agency. So you don't have it and are three or four years away from getting money in the NFL. You take what is guaranteed. And how can you blame them when a lot of them never make it to the NFL? How do you not take it? It's totally changed recruiting. I joke about all the time about it, facilities and all that. Go ahead and build facilities in these great weight rooms and training rooms, but you ain't going to have good players in them if you don't have NIL money. I don't care who the coach is or how hard you recruit. That is not going to win over money. Let's start there. I don't care who the coach is. I think that was a very specific line. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you think he was referring to, Sully? Oh, right up the road in the SEC West, Mr. Yeah. Nick Saban. Your thoughts on all of that? Let's start with this. Yeah. One of the key aspects of this uh, is that what Kiffin is basically saying is that NIL has replaced the college. It's, well, it's augmented the college scholarship and the chance for a free education as what you go for. Because, as he said, most of them aren't going to get to the NFL. And the thing used to be, well, that's why you need your education, to fall back on that. Well, that's also maybe why you need the NIL money and why you take the NIL money and why the NIL money, even if it's not truly NIL money, uh, pay-for-play, recruiting inducement, whatever you want to call it, is an important part of making your decision because there's no guarantee. I mean, maybe there's a few people that you can look at and say they are absolutely, in three or four years, going to be NFL millionaires. There's not many of them. Even in Alabama, you bring in 10 five stars, two or three or four of them aren't going to pan out. Four stars, it's, it increases. Three stars, obviously more than that. So yeah, it's, it's, it's part of the real world. It's here. It's now. It's not going away. 
and it is part of the equation for how they're making their decisions. And again, yeah, I, it's hard to blame any player, especially if you came up through a, an impoverished or meager background at all to say, no, I'm not going to let that influence my decision at all. I'm going to go because, you know, I, I like the the glamour of this school. No, I mean, that, let's be real here about what's on the line and what's available and, and what's going to drive a lot of these decisions. So, yeah, I think Lane... Uh, he did tell some truth there, for sure. Yeah, and the, the scholarship and the education are presumably still there. I mean, they're still right. there. Every school is going to offer yes. you the thing, whether you get an education or you just get through school is, you know, both part of the program and part of you. But a Stanford, uh, a Notre Dame, a Northwestern, a Vanderbilt still going to be out there saying, hey, look what you can get here. We got a Stanford education, right. and that's going to be part of the equation. Always has been. So you're throwing the money in. But again, thank you. This is how the world works. We said this over and over. When someone offers you a new job, your first thing is, do I get paid more? Or your your first job out of high school or college, and I don't care if it's a summer job. If Taco Bell's paying a dollar more than McDonald's, you go work at Taco Bell. You don't sit there going, just want to be part of that McDonald's family. Boy, the break room. At McDonald's, much nicer than the Taco Bell break room. Is there a break room? You know, like, no, you're like, I make an extra buck. That's it. But the Mexican pizza's back. So that might go into the equation. <laughs> I don't, I don't know, know if yeah. that's a, harder to make at Taco Bell. And It'll take the little, money. Little They'll tougher. take the money. Where's the tips? Yeah. yeah. Do you get a 50 cent an hour raise to make the Mexican pizza? Money is the, the thing. And if if you're not in on it, you're you're crazy. And if you're going to sit around and go, we can't have money be a factor in this, like what you're trying to change human behavior. You're trying to stop the wheels of capitalism. You're trying to get, you're going to try to legislate something that goes against the human condition. That's it. And I, I mean, like, what do you, there's no way money's going to matter. And now it's out in the open. Is it, the, is it, for many people, it will be the only factor. For others, it will be a big factor. Some, it won't matter. Some will sit there and say, look, man, I'm, I don't care if I make X dollars, but there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a scale. But if I can get that Stanford education now, um, I got a chance at, at doing this with my life. For a lot of kids, you're sitting there choosing between Alabama and Mississippi. What's the difference? And, and I know yeah. Alabama fans, Mississippi fans tell me all sorts of differences. But seriously, what's the difference? Like if you step back, if your friend down the street was like, daughter's choosing between Alabama and Mississippi, you know, you go, all right, cool. Sure, she'll have fun. Get a good education. Either one. The old, what was it, in the usual suspects when Kaiser Sose says uh, the greatest trick the devil ever played was convincing people he didn't exist. The greatest trick the NCAA played was convincing people that money didn't matter. Right? right, that this was all an educational premise that has continued to be dismantled to the point now where it's it's gone. I mean, money is is absolutely a key driving force in every decision that's being made, and then now people can admit it, and now people can allocate their resources accordingly without having to pretend that it's not part of the equation. So, hundred percent, this is it. Now he goes on. So I disagree with them, but this is still my theory, as I've said many times on here, is basically like, well, some schools will be able to afford, they'll have a higher salary cap. Uh, and we talked a little about this the other day on the way the recruiting works. So I think we've got, we go from a passive dollar, which is building facilities and weight rooms and recruiting lounges and putting billboards up in certain cities to try to lure recruits that may work, may not, may be a tipping point to, that's like fishing with a big wide net that has lots of holes in it, to I am going to spear fish and I am targeting this exact fish. And so even though Lane Kiffin will not have as much money as Alabama, as Nick Saban will have at Alabama, let alone Jimbo Fisher at uh, Texas A&M, although Jimbo continually insisting that um, <laughs> that isn't true, he's got no money he can target that money. If there is a linebacker that he's got an angle on the way they do now, they don't recruit head to head against Alabama on every player because they would lose. They're not going to try to get a kid that Alabama wants. Who's from like long beach poly. Cause that kid isn't coming all the way across the country to go to Ole Miss. He might go to Alabama, but if it's a kid from Jackson and he likes 
Ole Miss, Ole Miss pours out an enormous amount of resources and attention into recruiting that player because it's an in-state kid. We got a shot at him and maybe we can beat Nick Saban head to head up on that. Same thing. Resources are resources. It doesn't have to be a recruiting room. It can be a coach's time. What, what he's saying, it doesn't even matter how hard you recruit him. If you come in with more money, you got a shot at him. I think that's great for Ole Miss. As we have talked about, I think it will continue to give opportunities to schools to not maybe not completely level the playing field, but compete in certain spots for guys that can improve their overall product and take guys away from other places. Uh, and what's a win for you is a loss for somebody else. And if you're winning and Alabama's losing, that helps your your cause. If you're in the SEC, now I, I, spear fishing is hard, so I'm not sure you know you're going to throw the spear and hit the fish. But you target your treble but treble hooked uh, spinner bait. Well, or I'm sorry, your crank bait. You could get your fish. But angling analogy aside, we're seeing, like, look, there's a kid that's visiting. There's a five-star offensive lineman who is going to visit Arkansas State. Now, he's from Iowa, from Des Moines, Iowa. He said that he wants to go visit because he's got a friend from high school who's on the team. And maybe that's the reason. But when you see teams like that pop up on these lists that are never there, you have to wonder, okay, is this a new recruiting induced, like they're figuring out a way to get in the mix with some of these guys. And is it helping them out? I mean, you know, Nick Saban brought up Jackson State for a reason. They, they come out of nowhere and you can see programs that at least maybe they can find a way to get a shot at some of these guys and change their dynamic, change their trajectory to a degree. Yeah, and I, I think like there's a big bit, well, this furthers the divide between the power five and the, and the, uh, and the group of five. And I actually agree with that. I'm actually surprised that Jackson State or if, if any – group of five can really recruit well against power five, but that's always been the case. You talk to a, uh, a group of five coach, like two days before signing day. They're like, man, we got this kid from Chicago. Like you're, you're, you're Northern Illinois. You're like, we got a kid from Chicago. This kid's really good. Nobody is on him. We're just crossing our fingers that Minnesota or Indiana or Rutgers, any, any power, even, even Texas tech, right? finds out about him and offers at the last minute because we'll lose him because the kids will always go to conference. The two biggest factors in recruiting are proximity to talent and conference affiliation. So they will always jump up. So I don't really care about the, the perceived division between power five and group of five. That's always been almost a 100% win rate for power five. Uh, group of five has to survive on their own finding other kids. The one thing is there's still the same amount of players. So just because you're paying certain players doesn't mean you get more players. So players are going to filter down and the transfer port is going to allow people to filter down and all that. But so I, I don't really worry about that. But that but I, I think it closes the gap on the margins between the Mississippi's and the Alabama's between the Mississippi states and the LSU's, the Iowa, the Iowa's and the Ohio states. Right. What, what's what's a five star local player? They got Iowa got one last year, kept them home. What's that kid worth in Iowa? He's another five-star Ohio State's chasing. Well, what if Iowa puts in an it over, over proportion of their NIL money or their pay money, whatever pool they have, and, and, and is able to thus outbid for that player and he stays home? That's how this thing is going to – that's uh, just – I 100% believe that is how this thing is going to work because I don't know how it wouldn't work that way. Ohio State can't outbid everybody for 25 players. No, and I mean, honestly, that's to a degree, that's, <laughs> there have been instances that's how it worked under the table. <laughs> of course it did. You know, like, hey, this kid's from our state. We've got to get him. What's it going to take? All right, we'll, well do what I, we got to do and we'll get and, him. And there's like this institutional, like, I, like I knew a, a basketball player in Alabama, you know, the, the, the bank, the, the loan for his mom's house was, the, you know, the banker renegotiated it. The banker went to one school. Uh, the the uh, superintendent of schools who can make sure your grades get set up went to one school. The mm -hmm. police chief went to one school. The, this guy went to one. Oh, yeah. Everything set. You know, <laughs> there's some institutional <laughs> stuff going on when they're early. We're going to take yeah. care of you in your little town. All of that stuff is there. I, I don't think Lane sees it quite yet, but Lane's going to have a pool of money. And maybe his pool is, is maybe Alabama's is two X's, and maybe Texas A&M's is three X's, but he's still got an X. And if he wants to put it all in on this and this and this, and then go with the other guys, 
they're not, they're still going to be really good players out there. There's only so many spots you can play court. You can only, I mean, not, not everyone's going to keep four great quarterbacks. It's not happening. You're not signing two great no. quarterbacks in one class. NIL or recruiting money or whatever is not going to cure the playing time. No. issue. I mean, kids are still going to want to play. And so you can go someplace and take the money, but you may be leaving after a year when you're third on the depth chart. If you think you're really good and somebody else wants you. Lane Kiffin, I can recruit way better than you and you can me, but in the end, your school offers more money or mine does in the end, that's where they're going. I could have worked my butt off for three years and you could have done three minutes. There was a player who went to a school that we got beat on. I asked him about his relationship with the head coach. He had never talked to him. N-I-L. I don't know if I believe that story, but. <laughs> uh, but again, that look, that's not a story that just maybe, maybe to this degree it's popped up now, but those stories existed before, yeah. before N-I-L, you know, <laughs> like you were talking about the last minute swoop in, whether it's with money, whether it's from a bigger school, that happens. I mean, Stetson Bennett. Maybe not meet the head coach, but sight unseen happens all the time, sure. right? Where they haven't even set foot on sure. campus. So, yeah. oh, And yeah. who does that help? Stet- Ole Miss. Yeah. It helps right. Washington State. It helps Oregon. It helps places you can't just get to. It doesn't help Georgia because most of the kids they're recruiting or, you know, a big bulk of kids are right there in Atlanta. You can get them over at some point. Someone's going to drive them over to campus for an unofficial nap. You know, yeah. Texas, you know, the, some of these schools, you're like, hey, I'll go. It looks pretty good. If I'm getting a hundred grand instead of fifty, I'll, it'll be good. And again, though, but I mean, even before money was the factor, it was if a school that perceived per, perceptionally had more to offer, whether it's just well, that's bigger conference, power, or whatever, power five, you, group of five, yeah, yeah. I mean, Stetson Bennett was at Georgia, was a walk on for a year, left, went to JUCO for a year. And was ready that day on signing day to sign with Louisiana Lafayette. And Georgia calls and says, we want you back. It's like, okay, never mind. All right. See you, Billy. Billy Napier. I'm going back. To uh, you take like the, the, the Nico uh, Ayama Leiva uh, out of California is going to Tennessee. May or may not have this NIL deal. The Sully Savior. The Sully Savior. Old days, Long Beach you Bali. have to get that kid to your campus to see your facilities. You talk money, you spend it targeted, you got him. If, yeah. if indeed he's yeah. taking that money, if indeed, but uh, but yeah, that's a great example of it where Tennessee uh, normally wouldn't have that opportunity necessarily. But that's they they targeted they they spearfished that guy and they caught a big fish supposedly allegedly. We'll see when we get Sully's reports from the Long Beach Poly games this fall. Been since the Clawson brothers, since the Vols have reached out to California for a quarterback. <laughs> so you're right, and, and it's it's you don't have to sit there and he's not sitting there going well. Uh, you didn't win this many games or whatever. Done. That's spreading out talent. Um, some different questions. I thought Kiffin was good. How, did, how how's it going to affect the locker room? Because people are going crazy over that. Deal with it. Uh, That's <laughs> you know, coach's job right yeah, there. You're paying paid nine million dollars a year. Deal with it. The other thing we had discussed this uh, previously. The boosters are going to want like Nico's got to play right, and so. Uh, he's talking about what a mess that is. He didn't. He didn't want to play Jamarcus Russell at the Raiders. Ended up getting fired uh, in part of that. This thing is, uh, the people paying are going to want that guy to play. If he's not playing, how is the backup quarterback who's earning just a scholarship check going to play over him? You've got all kind of issues to come. Professional sports has done it for a long time. Indeed, coaches have to deal with it. Tough break. This yeah. is and he's saying. It, Lane is saying in one breath, this is professional sports. And now he's saying, wait, no, we can't deal with this this, this professionalism part of it. Yes, you can. Well, he, yes, he's not can. really saying he can't. He's just saying this is how it's going to be. But well, nobody has yeah. to be okay. the old miss coach. However, I don't know what Lane's making these days. Five, six, whatever. I mean, you know, it, he's, he's a well-paid person to deal with your locker room and deal with playing time and deal with boosters and that sort of thing. Yeah, all right. It's one more layer to it, one more wrinkle to it. But again, those boosters have, have they they've been known to make their opinions uh, vocal in years past before this too. Auburn tried to well, fire their coach this year, <laughs> one year, yeah. yeah, and did fire Gus Malzahn and did fire Terry Bowden and so on and so forth. It is a um, this will be a big deal. The boosters, you're going to have to control your boosters, and that is going to be something coaches are going to have to do. So someone like Saban who maybe is untouchable, but maybe not. The thing about an NFL owner, 
is first off, there's 31 of them. You have the, the Packers are, you know, group owned, but whatever. Uh, many of them have never been, you know, there's handed down the Maras, the Fords, the, you know, I mean, and the other ones are billionaires. It is really hard. And you still have to get in the club. Uh, we have more billionaires than NFL franchises. So it's really, really hard to be get in the spot where you get to run a football team. You need, you know, three, four, five billion dollars and the opportunity to to handle the few teams that that actually get sold. And they're, you know, they're good. The Cowboys aren't getting sold. That's getting handed down. The Patriots aren't getting sold. You know, college football, you might only need 10, 20 million bucks to be a big deal. Well, there's a hell of a lot more, not, not that many, but there's a hell of a lot more people with 10 or $20 million, especially as they get older in life, than uh, billionaires. You could potentially have multiple owners on these teams. <laughs> like, <laughs> you could. I mean, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's it's a collective. You're collecting money from a lot of people. And so there's going to be a lot of voices. And the people that give the most money are going to have the loudest voice, obviously. But that's part of it. I mean, Why is Texas again, still singing the eyes of Texas when the players don't want to sing it? <laughs> yeah, that's now, right. you know, they did that study and it really isn't what has taken, you know, it's, it's, ba- I thought that actually their study was good, but that's still remains somewhat controversial. Why? Because the, the boosters want it. So uh, anyway, very good uh, interview uh, and pretty interesting uh, stuff. Anything else from that that you, oh, he, he said uh, Bryce Young should enter the portal. Everyone should enter the portal. <laughs> And then see what they get offered and then come back and say, hey, these guys offered me. I think we said that, didn't we, on a podcast here? Yeah, we said yes. Lane every, every player podcast. I mean, yeah, I'm sure he does. Clearly, at this point. <laughs> uh, I can go yeah, straight to all is, the Machiavellian stuff immediately. Lane, if you're... Tr- Lane, if you're truly listening, just drop like a chicken words in your next, pr- next press conference and we'll know. In your next tweet, you know, tweet, tweet a, a drumstick or something. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I I mean, yeah, we've said that, that if you want to find out your true value, put your name in the portal. And then that's why they should, what they you should do. put that year, the year delay back into that. That's the one they should fight. Yeah. You, you're, you ain't winning that one. I, they got no chance on this. That's what I'm saying. They got two avenues that are causing havoc and that's the bigger one. And that's the one that really becomes problematic. And they, they have, or that's the one they have a chance to solve. They are not getting this money thing away, and no, it's okay. They're not, but they're, they're not going back on the one-year residency, I don't think, either. That's, that's, that's a tough, tough sell at this point. Well, they got <laughs> these guys are still sitting around thinking they're going to put, quote-unquote, guardrails. Yeah, I mean, hey, one thing we have yet to we, – we, we saw the NCAA Board of Governors, you know, come out with the – what was it, the guidance? Like, basically, we, we want enforcement to enforce the rules, but we still haven't really heard from enforcement. Like, okay, this is what we need to do. This is what we're hearing. This is where we're going to go with this. Uh, I would anticipate we will at some point in time, but what's it really going to look like? We don't know still. I mean, the, the, the guardrails remain a figment of the imagination up to this point. It's guardrails for one side. It's just it's, it's stupid. Guardrails. So there's no guardrail. This is uh you need the you need like the Indy five hundred high wall and fencing. <laughs> We're not rolling down I sixty five here. No, <laughs> that's for sure. But you're still gonna have Ricky Bobby rolling around in his underwear screaming, help me. That is Oprah. true. That is true. <laughs> Shake and bake. No, we are we are moving at 220 miles per hour right now uh, with yeah. uh, without the indie fencing. Uh, Alabama picked up a commitment from a highly rated quarterback from Louisiana. Is it our boy? Come on. on, We would have led with that. Well, yes, we would have. Matter of fact, we would have flown to New Orleans and gone live on the ocean. Eli Holstein of Zachary, Louisiana has pledged to the Crimson Tide. We mentioned this a few weeks ago. Was Alabama stepping up, basically giving him a committable offer? Uh, a sign of the weakness, perceived weakness in the Arch Manning Derby. Olstein is ranked 54th in the country on the 247 composite, number eight quarterback. He was once committed to Texas A&M, but uh, backed off that in mid-March. And that was the belief that that was because Alabama was uh, actually really wanted him. It's interesting. Zachary, just north of Baton Rouge, don't know if he wanted to get away from home or if 
Brian Kelly wasn't that interested, but if Alabama's interested, you would have thought Brian Kelly would be interested. Considering LSU has been fighting perceive the perception, of course, the, the Arch Manning recruitment, we have no information. They literally just, they just literally say nice things about everybody. They're the Mannings. They're not falling yeah. for this. Yeah, right. No, no, no. Arch has been well coached by the entire family tree yeah. on that. Nothing is happening here. So, uh, but the perception is LSU was fighting from behind. You would think, but maybe Holstein does, doesn't want to go there. It is believed uh, Arch is going to visit Alabama, Georgia, and Texas. And so, you know, uh, Alabama is still in this thing, obviously. But, I mean, I don't know. I mean, if you're Arch, I guess Arch probably is not afraid of Eli Holstein, but certainly yeah. an interesting thing. I don't know. It, I mean, yeah, I, I guarantee Arch isn't worried about where anybody else is committing. But it does make you think that Alabama is allocating a quarter, a high level quarterback scholarship elsewhere. And, you know, yeah, things could change. I mean, if, if Arch decides in October, says, you know what, I do want to go to Alabama, then Eli Holstein will change his commitment, I would imagine. Maybe not. You know, things could remain fluid there. But yeah, if you want to read the tea leaves and presume that this is a boiling down to a Texas Georgia battle for Arch, that would be an interesting one. Humongous stakes. For Steve Sarkeesian in that one. Uga doesn't forget when Bevo attacked at the Sugar Bowl. So <laughs> that really is watch best out. battles. Watch best out. Best battles since Bevo and Uga. Yeah. That's <laughs> hadn't thought of that. So what about this? Mike Farrell uh used to work for Rivals, uh, you know, great um scout and uh just recruiting guy. Uh his thing is uh does does Nick Saban get arch on campus for his visit and then spend the whole time basically subtly doing the soft sell that he probably should go to Texas and not Georgia. Now, Texas, by the time arch is playing is probably in the sec West or sec. I mean, I don't know if it helps and they already have Quinn Ewers. I mean, the the thing about this recruitment is kind of boring me. It's going to like kind of, it's just a rich getting richer. I really want old miss to get back in the back in there. (laughs) Well, I, I've got to see whether Texas is really the rich. Okay. Yeah. They, I got Quinn Ewers. Okay. You, how good is Quinn Ewers going to be? How good is Texas going to be? Ohio State, they were really yeah. good. <laughs> no. I mean, yeah, they were these, all these scouts love Quinn Ewers. Oh, The yeah. same scouts That's that are nice. telling us Arch Manning is great it told us Quinn Ewers is great. So, again, i, I, I got to see it, and I've got to see whether Steve Sarkeesian can coach him up and, and they can win games with Quinn Ewers. Uh, if if you are Nick Saban, you would absolutely rather see him at Texas than at Georgia because there's just fewer years where you would have to deal with him. Uh, presuming they're coming in, getting of Arch, Arch coming into the league as a junior, which that'd be a tough time to face Arch if he's if he's the real deal because he'd be on top of his game at that point. But either way, I you I would look and say. I can handle Texas and Sark. I've just got my head handed to me by Kirby in Georgia. I'd rather him, him end up at uh, Texas. So the Dante Moore recruitment is considered the third best quarterback or fourth or second, I don't know, whatever you want to come up with, from Detroit. It's way more interesting. He's now going to take a visit to Texas A&M. But not because of an NIL, because nobody gets him there. Oh, never. Never. Don't accuse me of being sliced bread. <laughs> A kid, a kid from Detroit, top-rated quarterback, just wants to go down to College Station check it out because he sure. knows he won't get any money there. That's right. He's going to get the twelfth man in the Aggie Network and all the beige he can handle. <laughs> he, he knows it's like I'm hoping I can go somewhere as far as possible, almost as far as possible, geographically, culturally, <laughs> everything else. From my neighborhood, from Detroit, and I and I really like that. I know I won't get any money at all unless I earn it through normal NIL tools. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Anyway, yeah, he's going down yeah, he, there now. That would upset everything because he, he's been great. He's gone to Notre Dame. He went to Michigan last week. Notre Dame. Yep. Then he goes to LSU, which I mean, he's been at Oregon. It's just Brian Kelly swipe. We got all sorts of good stuff. This is way more interesting than Arch. Here's what I want to know. Like, does AM have a throne yet? Because you saw like Dante Moore had the picture on the uh on the Notre Dame throne where they got him basically sitting on bars of gold in in, yeah, in yeah. uniform. And then Oregon now has a throne. 
And they so they take the picture of their guys in uniform on that. So they, is that the next thing? Or A&M no, they, has do, to they have give a them a Brinks truck and the keys to drive your <laughs> ass back to Detroit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they, they give them a Brinks truck and a pup, a storage uh, unit there in College Station. Say here, store all your money in there, and then maybe you can get it later. But you're not getting it now. Let's let's be Just clear. Uh, tuition, room, and board, books. What are you talking about? <laughs> a sliced bread. People, uh, people say it on the internet. <laughs> uh, this, he may be the first kid in the history of both the city of Detroit, the Texas A&M football program, to ever have been recruited and take a visit. The hundred <laughs> years of Texas Texas A&M football. I don't know. The Junction Boys had like 160 people on the roster. I think they were all white. The day, so. They were all white. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. That's yeah. a good point. They were sure. all white, and they were from Tumbleweed, <laughs> Texas. You know. Anyway, great recruit. Good job. Obviously, they're sending them good letters and stuff. Dear Dante, Ain't no we slice would, of bread. We're, we've been monitoring your progress. I think you'd be a tremendous <laughs> continue your education and athletic development yes. here at Texas a and <laughs> We'd like to see your transcripts, of course. Please pay course, us a visit if you're, if you're ever in the neighborhood. Up to our lofty standards. Yes. <laughs> um, go get it. Secure that bag, man. Secure it. <laughs> if there is one, there isn't one. He's got a taco or something. They got some good stuff. Anyway, um, Dixie Chicken, Dixie Chicken, Dixie Chicken. Yeah, good friend Pete comes in with a story on. Looks like a little shot across the bow. Let's let's discuss this. Could the SEC create their own playoff? I've discussed this before. I think a four teamer, and then but they're talking. Could could you have an eight team just SEC playoff? Go four pods, four conference champs, and then four wild cards. Oh, I definitely watch it. <laughs> and then, yeah, you maybe play the winner of an alliance playoff or the Big Ten champion or the champion of everyone other than the SEC. I mean, it, it was it was an eye-opening story. Well, go ahead, Aldana. Yeah, let you, uh, here's a quote from a, quote, veteran collegiate official. <laughs> Whatever collegiality existed amongst those five commissioners appears to be gone. Sankey's in such a catbird seat right now. You know who is a veteran collegiate official? Is Greg Sankey. Maybe he was the one who. He's <laughs> also devastatingly well, handsome. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, there's, there's, uh, you know, I, I've talked like you could just take the SEC, the Big Twelve, and Notre Dame, and and have a playoff. Uh, you could. I mean, they, they have all, they, they can do whatever they want. They're also threatening a lot of stuff, so that they they want the alliance to know they don't need them. I think the latter part yeah. of that is my takeaway on this uh that let's let's kind of examine this story it's, it's a really interesting story and pete did a very good job with it and it does raise a lot of kind of spectacular possibilities about completely blowing up the structure of college football but here's the thing you blue sky about an eight team sec playoff and you get greg sankey on the record and scott strickland of the florida athletic director on the record about it Usually when there are major, massive, like, landscape-altering plans at work, how many people do you get on the record to talk about? Them? None. Zero. The last, the so last like one when, was done in a, yeah, secret secret meetings, right? They just popped it in the 18th. Yes. They wouldn't even put it on the record in their own press release. Texas and Oklahoma are coming to the SEC. Only be, The only reason anybody knew, for, if it had been in the work for months, was because Texas A&M found about, about it and leaked it. My thought here is this is something that the SEC certainly was fine with having out there, oh, yeah. whether it's a saber rattling, a muscle flexing thing, a direct threat to the other conferences. We don't need you. So you better play some ball with us or just it's a peacock anger. threat. I yeah, think. It's also yeah. there is no there's no problem with putting it out there uh, because no, nobody can stop them from creating their own playoff. It's them. No, I mean. Yeah, no, they, there's no problem putting it out there, but I just don't. It's the kind of thing that if if it were seriously like we're going to talk about how, how making this happen, uh, th- this would not have been nearly as public as it was, yeah. in my opinion. Uh, we will see. I look at I've been saying all along, all these leagues need to should have jumped this thing a long time ago. Big Big East lost. No exists anymore. Big 12's fading like. Take your deal, clomb on while you can, because it just gets bigger and bigger. The SEC can just, you know, and even the Alliance, man, I guess they're they're glomming onto the Big Ten, but that's all they got. 
Yeah, and the big the question is why the Big Ten's willing to be glommed onto. Yeah, well, um, they're just good people, yeah. Pat. They're just good people. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Now, I get that, that will be yet another talking point this next week in Destin. So we will have things to, to question the SEC powers that be about and things to talk about on this very podcast. Yeah, and you know what? Just a scheduling reminder. We're not going to tape on Monday. Uh, first of all, it's a holiday, but we're going to tape Tuesday after the SEC meetings in Destin, where Pat will be, because A, we want firsthand accounts of any possible Jimbo, Nick Saban dust up uh, and details on this and details on the SEC scheduling. So I'm trying to decide how it would be received if I walked into the Sandestin Hilton with a loaf of sliced bread Ooh. and put it on the table in the, in the meeting. Sliced room. bread makes an appearance. Yeah. Uh, Jimbo just I, I, really gets angry at this sliced bread thing. <laughs> it's a trigger word for him. Trigger words. Uh, he lives in a very popular area of for sliced bread, where you just get it on a barbecue table and dip <laughs> it in the sauce. And I feel like he's he's not in a good spot to not like sliced bread because you see the sliced bread a lot around <laughs> in South Texas. A lot of triggering going on sitting in barbecue. Are you saying sliced around. bread is more popular in some places than not? <laughs> uh, um, well, in South Texas, it's an actual thing where they serve sliced bread. It's just with they your, give you a with your barbecue loaf with your barbecue. Yep. And so I know, I, I know that you dip often. it in the sauce and all that, but I don't know that. Like, I think sliced bread is popular everywhere. I don't. Oh, everywhere. Yeah, but it, it you don't see it at restaurants. Just Italian restaurants. Sliced bread. It, just normal sliced yeah, bread. Is not like a, bread a, a lot of places, cornbread. I mean, what kind of what, what kind of bread? You but cornbread is not sliced. Absolutely, about just sliced. sliced. You just get a platter of cornbread and you dig in. Yeah, you you get you get you get cornbread the little rolls in a muffin or a roll. Yeah, or okay. you get squares of cornbread. We're gonna need the listenership to I weigh mean, I, in. I, I'm just, I'm, just Texas does not get to claim sliced bread <laughs> as a Texas. All thing. I'm saying is. Sliced bread is everywhere. Per capita, <laughs> restaurants per capita, you get sliced bread slapped on the table quicker in South Texas. Than a, and it's white bread. There is a lot of, well, Greek restaurants often have sliced bread, diner. I mean, it's bread bowls. There's a lot of, there's a lot of sliced bread out there. Uh, we need, we need the listenership to weigh in. Where is, what is the capital of sliced bread in America? <laughs> there is none. It is for Let all of know. us. You guys are trying us, to divide the thoughts. country. <laughs> There's a Wetzel, the uniter, the rest of us dividers. We can't all have sliced bread. What are what are we doing? Here? We can't divide upon bread lines in this in this country. Sliced dangerous. Sliced pressing. bread is anywhere. A, a, a loaf of Wonder Bread laying on a table. All right, I'll give you that. There you okay. go. All right. But yeah, what type of bread? No, there's sliced bread everywhere. Sandwich shops. I mean, like the delis. You can tell New York City yeah, they don't sliced gonna, bread. There's a deli on every corner. They're not, they're you not sit gonna, down at a diner. They bring out a little thing with bread in it. It's a sandwich now. It's not just sliced what bread. What do you think makes the You're sandwich? It, uh, I'm not going for the bread. I'm going for all the good. The all right, so you're saying in, Central inside. Texas will just eat straight bread. Yes. Dipped in barbecue sauce. sauce. Okay, but that's different than sliced bread. No, I mean, no, I, I no, I see. Like I see Sully's point here. Although I always think of Dreamland because Dreamland, you could get two Dreamland things: you get too. ribs and yeah, sliced you get bread. The bread of Dreamland. It was good, and that's an Alabama thing. Up. But still, yeah. Oh, so you're taking. Wait till Saban hears this. Oh yeah, Saban's gonna be. <laughs> you're gonna claim it's another sign that Saban is sliced bread. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> Dreamland, big on sliced there bread. You go. There you go. Original location in Tuscaloosa. It's all adding up. All right, connect the dots, Dan. <laughs> Fascinating little uh, story here in USA Today Sports. This is college athletics at its finest. Many of the nation's top colleges pack their women's teams with extra players who never compete, double and tripling counting women, and even classified male practice players to to, uh, collectively conjure the illusion of thousands of more female athletic opportunities. So yeah, under Title IX, they're supposed to kind of even things out, right? Well, they're actually supposed to even things out, but eh. (laughs) you're actually supposed to follow the federal law and even things out. However, we have (laughs) uh, 27 schools stuffed their women's rowing rosters with more athletes than needed. Teams averaged 87 women. More than double the max number most conferences championships allow. 87 women on a on a crew team. 
That's how big is this boat? <laughs> how many boats do you have? How big's the river or lake that you are rowing in? Is the other question. Do you have enough for ten boats? Eleven boats? I mean, come on. <laughs> We're gonna need a bigger boat. We got eighty-seven yeah. women pulling the boat here. Good God. Uh, <laughs> At least 838 female rowers filled unnecessary roster spots. They just put people on the roster and they don't actually exist. They put people on the roster, but they don't compete. They don't do anything. I mean, I guess they go to practice. I don't know. But there isn't any payoff in terms of competition. Yeah, I looked up some numbers on this. Uh, According to athleticscholarships.net, and I can't say that they're the gospel, but I have heard of them and I have, you know, they theoretically, they, they know what they're talking about. Um, you get 20 scholarships for a rowing team, women's scholarships. Uh, the average team size is 47. I looked and in like some of the recent conference championships, you have three boats, uh, three eight-person boats and one four-person boat. So you're talking 30 people that could compete in a conference championship. So you got 17 on an average team that aren't. And then there's a lot of teams that are a lot bigger than that. So there's a lot of people that I, you know, maybe they get gear, but do they, A, do they even go to practice? B, do they get to participate in practice? And then C, what the heck do they do with competition time other than sit on the side and cheer for their teammates? Uh, There's a lot of kind of shadowy accounting there. It was an interesting story. Uh, Yeah. So uh, guess who's number one in total female roster spots gained what the, what the USA Today is is kind of indicating is nefarious means. Who's Alabama? Oh, baby. 106 roster spots gained, including 80 excess rowers. <laughs> 80. That's a great term, excess rowers. <laughs> they do have a little creek down there. Yeah. yeah. Where does the Alabama rowing team practice? I would like to know. Not in the Black Warrior River. I'm pretty sure of that. Well, maybe. Uh, and then I'd like to That's, state with great pride, guess who's ranked number two in the country? The UMass in, in Minute Women padding. and Minutemen. <laughs> we have 92 uh, extra spots, including 30 more rowers than needed. Okay. Michigan is number three with 87. UCLA is 83. West Virginia is 83. That's the top five, according to this USA Today thing. So basically what you're doing is you're adding rowers, <laughs> this massive rowing team, a damn Navy to try to even out your numbers. That's the allegation. I have no doubt when you get into stories like this, that the blowback is, nah, nah, they miscounted this. How could you say this poor, poor, this athletes actually compete? You know, there's a lot. So take it. I'm blaming all of this on USA Today. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't call me. <laughs> I, I guess, It's all I mean, sliced bread's fault. They, the, there are a million scams in uh, college athletics. This may be the latest one, but I, I, and I, I have to admit, I, I, I fault myself for intellectual laziness for seeing these massive rowing rosters and not thinking, huh, do they really need all of them? And now I guess I know. Uh, we've been talking. So, uh, you know what? We blew it and not put it all together. But like, we've been talking for a while about like 32 person women's soccer teams you're like, like what? Yeah, Forty people on the swim team. Yeah, yeah that yeah. that Penn sure. women's swim team. I thought it yeah. was all ways. It was just cheap, just ways to get connected kids into the school. Varsity Blues on a little different level. There may not be any payments, uh, and there may be some of that. There may know, be more. But, yeah, I'm guessing the Varsity yeah. Blues is not just a few people. But I didn't really see it as a way to comply with Title Nine. It's also the like well, I don't know what is ti- like if. If you're on the team practicing, is that not participation? Huh? I guess, but but are you really practicing? Uh, that's what I like get them to know. A boat, Again, they like, roll around in the circle, well, and I mean, well, <laughs> <laughs> it's not in a circle, Dan. It's a straight line in rowing. Come on, well, they got to get back. They turn around, don't they? <laughs> yeah, they or do they drive back. back. I don't know how it works. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, let me just say it. I know, I know, unpopular. Give me a break with 20 rowing scholarships. Give me a break. The 20, well, 20 18 of every every 20 scholarships. This is my, my completely guess. 18 of those scholarships, those kids don't need any money to go to your school. Could be. This is not exactly a working class sport. Actual rowing your boat, 
So you go fish. Yeah, that's that's real. Crew. <laughs> nah. Well, it is hard work to actually do the sport. It's extremely hard work, but this is the Winklevoss twins kind of sport. <laughs> Why are we giving scholarships to rich kids? It makes no sense. So we're inventing right, now- a sport that nobody does, that nobody watches, except for if they get drunk at the head of the Charles, so their rich kids can get a scholarship. What are we doing? <laughs> well, okay. I mean, I know this sport uh, is at, I know college athletics has to exist in an absolute nutcase world, but come on. Why do we have a crew team? UMass. Why does UMass have a crew team? I they have a crew team so they can balance their damn scholarships. That's it. Yeah. That's it. And you know what they do at UMass? They charge the regular students an athletic fee because it's not Alabama. They don't have the SEC network. Right. So in places like UMass and the vast majority of schools, you have an athletics fee. So regular students who certainly didn't go to, to the kind of college, high schools that have crew teams, let alone travel crew that I'm sure you have to work on, are paying money so that rich kids can continue playing sports under some kind of idea of equity. And equality just to have a club just to have a club yeah uh first of all like like if you look at the average roster of a rowing team yeah there's a lot of rich or at least i can't say they're rich but there are kids that went to elite schools private schools prep schools any, there's also saying, a lot of them find any one of dante moore's uh uh classmates from detroit king high school or any of them getting on the, the crew roster i don't think so. i don't know maybe i don't maybe know so. but there's kids there's kids from average schools in Louisville, Kentucky, going to Louisville to row. Now, again, all right. why there's 80-some of them, it's because that they're trying to balance this out. My solution to all this, instead of playing a complete numbers scam, running a numbers game, remove football from the equation so that you're not trying to balance everything with a single-sex 85 scholarship deal. Or, here's another thought, reduce the number of scholarships in college football. I don't think you need 85. I'd say 75, maybe even 70. And then you're you're less beholden to playing scholarship numbers. I would cut men's sports to the... the we know you would. Yes, I would. Here's a story on NBC. Uh, here's This is from 2020, so a little. James Madison, right? Division one school. $2,340 a year in student fees to finance the school sports teams. It goes on $1.2 billion uh, was used in 2018, was collected from regular students paying athletic fees at Division I schools, 51% more than a decade prior. Right. So they're spending... What, what's changed in that decade? They keep adding these Escalation teams. of cost of football. Well, that's fine. But so get... get but, but there's also... You can cut the James Madison football. I don't know, but like these, these, they're they're you are you are have an average student paying twenty three hundred so they can fund a comprehensive athletic program. When most of the athletes, and I'm going to talk about the women's athletes, the male athletes, upper middle class or rich, you cannot. It's very very rare. I always said the preponderance of number of these athletes, lacrosse, soccer, tennis, golf, golf. Jordan Spieth, boy, how would he have persevered with that bootstrap opportunity to play college golf? Uh, I don't know. All, all of them. You have to spend 10, 15 grand a year to play travel soccer in this country to be good enough to ever be considered. You can't, the days of the old local kid plays three sports at the high school, they ask their dad, they ask the coach for the uh, the key to the locker room, just put in some extra work and an old state you gives them, a, that doesn't exist softball, baseball, they got hitting coaches in fifth grade, skill sessions. You need a parent that can spend four days a week driving them all over town, all the different things, travel all over the country in middle school. Also, you can have this comprehensive athletic department for men and women. And who's footing the bill? The regular kids. 4.5 scholarships for men's golf. Six for women. And a coach and a trainer and all that. Well, right. Why? Or, why would we give or thirty-seven analysts so that you can make sure so in thirty-seven you've got eighteen different looks at it? Golf, come on! 
Why would six? Why would you get a scholarship to play golf at college? Would Would Tiger Woods have been able to afford to go to Stanford without a scholarship? He can now because he'd have an NIL. <laughs> he can't now. He couldn't then. He couldn't then. Tiger couldn't Woods. Then. Not everybody. Yes, a, a large okay. percentage of golfers. Tiger. Let's take all the other golfers. Well, Tiger's a pretty good example. Uh, it's, Tiger would be fine without it. You can have a club. Let Tiger in. Tiger could have had financial aid like all the other kids. What about all his teammates? Like, we had, it's like, it's like over three, it's like 3% something, 3.4% fewer college students this year than last year. That is not good. You want your, you don't want your country to be less educated. Finances on these colleges are out of control for regular people. And you're throwing an extra 2,300 so, so James Mass can have all these teams or any other schools. Four out of five of the 230 Division One public universities charge students a fee to finance sports, according to NBC. That is, ab- that is so backwards. Don't come at me with equality. How about the female students that can't afford the 2300 I These are rich no, kids look, playing these sports. I agree that the students should not, there, there should be no student fees for athletics. Well, then you got to have to cut all these to, teams. Or you, are you? Yes. Or you maybe spend less on hey, football. James Madison. There's a thought. Cut the team. James Madison. Have a club. James Madison ain't making money on football. I know. So yeah, they're good at football, but they're not making money on it. They're definitely but not making it on these other two sports. Have a club team. Good enough. These kids would All pay. They have the money. You are giving. You have people who can pay the full boat, who spent like eighty hundred grand training to, to get the scholarship, a partial scholarship, mind you, because they got to divide it up. That's a little weird in its own right. They would pay. Remember we did this with D three. Like Hartford was going to go D three. It's like, yeah, they'll, they'll get all those same kids will pay. People pay to go to Division three schools to keep playing. The solution here, cut men's sports, and then you get your numbers down. It, adding like 83 rowers is not it. The solution is to break out football from the headcount and reduce the number of football scholarships. So there, we have two, two solutions. Pick your own. Neither one will be adopted. <laughs> no, neither one will be adopted. Hope those golfers out there can manage. <laughs> We're talking about four and a half scholarships. It doesn't matter. They add up. The cross players, the crew, you know what the else adds up? team, the, the 34th, 35th, and 36th analysts add up as well yeah. that you need for football. Yeah, but like Alabama has the money. They're not charging us. You haven't even mentioned the equestrian team. Equestrian. Talk about a, a broke. I don't even know whether equestrians like a, is that even an official NCAA sport? Do they get scholarships for that? I would imagine so. Alabama is pretty serious in it. This is bad. It's bad enough that they take the football players, the money the football players generate, and spend it on their fellow athletes. It's way worse when they take a kid who's just trying to go to school, and his parent, their parents are are getting, uh, they're working two jobs, and they got to work in the summer, and their parents are doing everything they can and fretting about it, and they're still going to walk out with debt. And part of that debt is so some kid that that had so much money they spent their entire youth playing lacrosse gets uh, a, a great field, training, travel, all this stuff. And it's absolutely philosophically crazy. And then to deem it equality, there's a female student kid. Uh, congratulations, James Madison kid. You got 13000 of extra debt to fund your athletic program. I think every one of those kids would say, uh, yeah, I'll take the thirteen grand. I don't need a lacrosse team. I, again, I, I am in no way in support of student fees to subsidize your athletic department. But to say, take it all and just say, I mean, death to non-revenue. Well, Alabama time. can afford it. Do it. I don't care. They're making their money. But I, I do care. But it's a separate debate. A school like UMass, that's crazy. It's crazy. People don't go to UMass because they go there generally because they, they – there's a million great schools in the state. It's I can't afford $80,000 at Boston College. So I'm going to go to UMass. Like, that's why you go there. You don't go there because you're like, oh, I've got millions of dollars and I just choose that over. I was going to go to Harvard, but I just really like UMass. It's for the love of the Minutemen, well, Dan. I'm sure Come there's on. somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I never met him when I was there. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. All right. All right. Let's move. Getting heated. Again, let the listenership decide. Pat sticking up for the poor golfers. America. I'm sticking up for I'm sticking up for less excess in football. How do those golfers manage? 
a, a maintaining the broad-based athletic programs that have always been there, but now are jeopardized because we it just costs have to too spend much. more and more and more costs and more too and more. Much. It uh, never no, should have been there. They were set aside for rich kids then. We're going, we're going in circles. We're going in circles. Speaking again. of it's, circles, it's, we're, we're, we have solved yeah. four good university students at John Hopkins okay. University. Oh, okay. have solved a circular problem of sorts. They have created an edible tape. Edible tape. And what can this edible tape do? It can be applied to your burrito to keep the burrito closed. <laughs> Inspired by their own experiences with me with messy lunches, the students created Tasty Tape, an edible adhesive comprised of a food-grade fibrous scaffold and an organic adhesive. Unbelievable. Uh, How would this not been thought up before? It kind of has. I mean, seaweed's used. Well, yeah, the, seaweed was the ultimate it, well, it, uh, Tasty Tape. Old school, yeah. Right? yeah. The sushi makers in Japan pioneered that for i want no part of tape edible or, or otherwise on my burrito if you've been to chipotle and qdoba enough and i have by the way like many thousands of times i love burritos uh but even a moderately competent burrito architect can do this and you, without tape it's just your job then to hold it together you got to pick the right end to go in you got to look and see which end is the you know the most secure you go in the end that's least secure and then the one thing you have to do like when you go to Chipotle, you cannot like mess around on your phone while you're eating. It is a single eat, right? You can't put it down. You got to hold it until it's gone. You eat until you pick it up once. You keep eating until it's gone. And then you go back to your phone or whatever. So that's that's the only thing there. We don't need tape. We are trying to we're over solving here. It's not that big a problem. Yeah. If you get to, they paint the Chipotle work like twelve dollars and forty cents an hour. I mean, where do you? <laughs> They can call them burrito <laughs> masters or whatever, but that you're asking too much. I'm not asking. And just because much. you I've seen them just just woof down this burrito in like three chumps, <laughs> some of us would like to have an elegant meal. Just <laughs> oh, yeah. spend time with our you know dining partners discussing things at Chipotle. Elegant I don't mind show. a messy burrito because at the end you can you get like this you know you're done with your burrito, but then there's like this this. There's some extra stuff laying there, yeah. So again, but are, if you're fine the, with the, the messy tape, burrito, I would try the tape. This is a solution without a problem. Uh, we don't. We don't. I mean, I thought. A, I mean, let's. <laughs> John Hopkins was like going to come up with the like the cure for COVID. Like, I would prefer we spend our time on that. <laughs> yeah. This, right. But <laughs> what am I? Tasty. What am I doing to <laughs> to help human society? Nothing. Tasty tape is out. Unless you're like, if you're kidnapping people and you want to be more humane, you want to put the tape over their mouth, at least it's better than putting it, better than putting duct tape on their face. Put tasty tape. All right. Market uh, it to kidnappers. Uh, also, Arby's has jumped into the burger war. Is the burger war now the new chicken war? <laughs> sure. They are now selling a Wagyu steakhouse burger. How about that? Ambitious. It's, so it's like supposedly even a high-grade burger. High-grade burger. The highest quality burger the market has seen yet. How much does it cost? Like 10 bucks? Uh, I don't know, but I, our partners, our, our co-workers at Yahoo Finance have deemed it worth the hype mm. and uh, declared that it was uh, really good. They tried it on the air. Uh, it looks, I mean, the burger, it's good pictures. I don't know. Would you get, uh, Sully, have you had this yet? Not yet. I'll get on the front lines and start start researching. But I think this is a really uh, a good tactic from Arby's because they're seeing a lawsuit against McDonald's and Burger King very recently, and they see that they are very vulnerable. So now is the time to attack. And they've probably been sitting on this for a while yeah. in the labs, working up their burger, <laughs> and boom, launched it while the, while the other ones are down. <laughs> I wonder where the Arby's lab is. You know, like Alamo Gordo, New Mexico, you know, in some <laughs> secret bunker. Yes, it's on. Yeah, it's Area 51. Yeah. It's actually it's there not aliens. It's Arby's. There you go. Right. This is a review in the uh, Deseret News out in uh, Salt Lake City. This uh, Ashley Nash did the did the legwork for us here. Uh, Ashley says it was uh, she got the burger uh, fries and a shake for 1081. 
Oh, um, overall, wasn't my. Are we sure it's Wagyu? <laughs> if we're getting all that for ten eighty one, is that the one where they give them the beer, or is that that's the Kobe beef? Uh, I don't remember. Um, as someone who is sensitive to fast food, probably not the best person to do this. Uh, <laughs> we need insensitive <laughs> people eating this. You're like <laughs> Sully, if Sully had met Ashley on like a dating app, and it'd be like sensitivity <laughs> by swipe the other. <laughs> so, absolutely no. This relationship has no chance. Yeah, not you're swiping uh, which way is it left? <laughs> yeah, to match no? it every I other way, them. and be like, nah, it's yeah. a deal killer. No. Uh, yeah, uh-uh. um, <laughs> the Arby's burger didn't leave me feeling groggy afterwards as other fast food places sometimes do. Groggy, okay, yikes. Uh, I get that. Like, after the Popeye's chicken sandwich, you want to <laughs> take a nap. That thing is heavy. Whew. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, that's all right. That's interesting. I'll try it. I mean, we did the we we were pioneers in taste testing. We did the the was we what, did Arby's. Diablo we went to Arby's. Sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we did the Diablo. Was Ashley would prefer it over a McDonald's burger by a long shot, but I wouldn't <laughs> take it over something from a sit down restaurant that specializes in the food item. Bottom line, I was pleasantly surprised. To be honest, I didn't have high expectations for Arby's, but this burger exceeds them. So there you go. So we're talking under five guys, but over McDonald's kind of in between. I get that. It's five okay. guys really right. sit down on the same level as like a Chipotle. Uh, fast yes. casual. Yeah. Fast. There you go. Well, fast whatever fast. it is. How about this? It's a big holiday weekend. We hope everyone enjoys themselves. How about we send them off with the Arby's filet fish disc? There you go. That's do that, Sully? Get you grooving and put you in that holiday mood. We'll be back next week. Talk to you on Tuesday. How dare you sell a square fish asking us to trust it? A half slice of cheese, Mickey D's on a budget. Arby's crispy fish is simply it. With lines around the corner, we might need a guest list. Eggs is stage left. The sandwiches taste fresh. A little cube of fish from a clown is basic. Say less. This argument is baseless. Drowned in tartar, that filet fish is tasteless. See, Arby's on only deals in the greatness. I bet the house on it like it's Vegas. Look, I could sell water to a well. How could you ever think I'd fail?